Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Podcast. I am Trevor Sycamore. With me is Benjamin Solak on a Tuesday edition of our summer scouting series. This week we're going over the running back position. Got three guys under our belt from yesterday's episode. Talked about Brees Hall from Iowa State, Kyron Williams from Notre Dame, and Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M. And we are forging on to the next three players that we're looking at who are draft eligible for the 2022 NFL Draft. And that would be James Cook, the running back from Georgia, Ty Chandler, who was previously at Tennessee, now at UNC, and Eric Gray, who was also previously at Tennessee. Previously. Previously, and is now at Oklahoma. We're going to get into all three of those guys, break down their scouting reports, what we like, what we don't, where we see them stacking up in this class so far. Basically, anything else, any other words that we could say about these players. Ben, before we get to it, my friend, how are you? Everything is delicious. Appreciate you asking. Uh... I forgot the fun part of summer scouting. Didn't really happen with the quarterbacks because you already kind of know the quarterback class well enough where you think you put the best guys on day one and then like the not as good, but maybe also good guys on day two and then the not as good, you know, rest of the class on day three. But then sometimes you watch the class and you realize you did it wrong. (laughs) Ben came up with the order, so you got to yell at Ben. If, if but that's the fun part. Are, are you that, saying that are you, are you saying that because uh, this episode might be a little bit of a downer? Or are you saying that because there's one guy in particular that I have on the top of my mind that could have been in yesterday's episode? Which which one are you actually talking about? Because there's one guy that should have been in yesterday's. Yeah, episode. baby. Yeah, baby. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about these three guys, um, especially as the NFL is getting towards. Really situational running back play. You know, it, it, I don't want to say long are the days where you have teams, every team in the NFL looking for bell cow backs, because certainly if you have a bell cow back, that means that they can do everything for you. And nobody's going to say no to that. So I don't I don't want to make it seem like the NFL is no longer looking for all the, the, the players who dominate the carries or anything like that. But it's just we're in an age where you're switching guys out. You're looking for mismatches so much. You're looking to really just get an advantage on the defense any way you can to where hey, you know what? If your best work doesn't come on early downs, that's okay. You can still carve out a really nice role in the NFL, and that's vice versa too. You know, you talk about guys who aren't the best in pass protection or don't have the best hands, but they're really good when you get the ball in their gut, and so, you know, okay, this is an early down specialist, and I think that we're going to get to a couple of names in today's episode outside of the one that we're very excited about that kind of fit that mold of where the NFL is going, might be able to find some uh, some specialized roles kind of uh, throughout their careers in the NFL. Where do you want to start with our three guys? I'll give you the I'll give you the honors of, of, of uh, deciding our topic here. Uh, let's start with the Bulldogs so we can do the uh, the volunteers together. Okay. All right. James I, Cook. Yeah, I like James Cook. Uh, I think that if you didn't know that James Cook was directly related to Dalvin Cook, you could watch him and be like, you know, this guy kind of runs like Dalvin, Dalvin Cook. It's, it's so um, funny, isn't it? He is like, he is in many ways. I, I Well, I'll just say before we get into the nitty gritty, stylistically, he's so much like Dalvin. <laughs> they just, right. He's just a mirror image of what, uh, how Dalvin liked to run and just, 
the way that he carried the football, the way he approached basically everything. He's so much like Dalvin. Yeah, so I think when you uh, running back play style is a is a fun thing because I think it's it's less than other positions something that you enunciate and something that you can distinguish you know verbally and in written form and oftentimes it's more so just something that you just like see right where you're like looks like Dalvin uh, and maybe it's you know <clears throat> the dreads and the number or the body type or whatever but in this case I really do think it stylistically it does impact it because. That slasher sort of approach, that uh, the divorced lower half from the upper half, where he's kind of looking like a slalom skier as he as he works through spaces, uh, that that picky little approach where where he also doesn't always look like he's going at full speed. That's very Dalvin Cookie, and that's that's very James Cook. Now Cook needs to learn how to play with more urgency. Um, he's very methodical at this time. I I think he may be more thinking on his feet than you'd like for him to be instead of just reacting. I think maybe that's why things are, are look a little bit too slow for him at times. I think he runs himself into tackles, runs himself into bad angles. I don't think he has that same natural feel that we talked about with some of the previous runners, especially on day one. And certainly something that Dalvin had Um, not a lot of experience, Uh, obviously coming up in Georgia, you're always going to be in a rotation backfield. He shares a backfield with Zeus, uh, Zamir white, who we'll be talking about on Thursday, just because we can get the numbers right. Oh, so he's got Tuesday or sorry, not Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monday, so actually, he, uh, Sunday, uh, maybe um, extra bonus on, on Saturday, Columbus Day. <laughs> uh, so we've got a, a, a player that I think has a nice uh, developmental arc coming into next year as a, a as a runner, but he's not there yet. So he's one he's one to watch in that way more so than saying like, yeah, he's up with the top guys right now. Um, they do prefer to use him over Zamir when they're putting a back into the passing concept, mm-hmm. uh, had an explosive touchdown against Alabama. I want to say it was, but they just went five wide. They went empty uh, back out of the backfield, got him matched up against a linebacker, had him run a little double move. And yeah, he, he, he can separate, he can track and then, and then he could catch and finish the job. Uh, not necessarily a play. He got challenged by coverage too much, but it shows that they have that trust in him. And he was able to deliver on that. He does have the deep speed that we have been, trying to see from some other backs. Don't think he's like a crazy burner, but he is more so that guy. So again, I think a nice player to look out for. Sample size right now is pretty small. Polish is pretty low. Uh, and so got the name, got the pedigree, got a nice play style. Could ascend, but I'm not anywhere on him right now in terms of the top of the class. Yeah, I I think that this is, you know, when I mentioned earlier, the specialized kind of backs, I really had James Cook at the top of my mind because I really like him in the passing game. You know, he seems very natural, and it seems like this has definitely been his bread and butter over the last couple of years to get on the field when it comes to, like you said, a very talented, deep rotation at Georgia, really, no matter what year it is. And, you know, there there's a lot of times where he's a lot had a lot of success. You know, they aren't afraid to have him run around and flex out into the flat or an out route to the sideline at the sticks or have him run a wheel route coming out of the backfield. Or there was one Texas route that he put on a Missouri linebacker that just left him in the dust. And yeah, just, but that was the one where he took like 85 stutter steps to the top of the this route. Is, this is true. He, but, and this is what I'm talking about with urgency, right? Like he'll get to like a one-on-one. He'll be like, uh, 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 uh. Like, James, just get into the break. No, but I think that he... 
uh, he, he he knows how valuable it is to set up defenders. He maybe needs to a little bit be a little bit more precise with it, no yeah, doubt yeah. about it. But I do think that he was, uh, I think that he was very comfortable in that role. And so you say to yourself, like, okay, this could be a third down kind of specialist, a long down and distance guy. But the problem is that his willingness towards blocking is is not nearly where it needs to be to have a lot of faith in him early on, at least if he's going straight to the NFL after this year. And plugging him into that role, I think it's going to be a little bit of time because, you know, he'll position himself, I think, in the right spots when it comes to pass blocking on third down. But he doesn't really get up in guys' faces, you know. And it, it, we're, we're kind of spoiled at this point because we were watching a little five foot nine, 190 pounds Kyron Williams just take dudes out at the hip. And, 100%. you know, you see, you, you see James Cook, and it's just, it, it's not that kind of an attitude. But that's what you need to really get on the field. And, you know, my biggest takeaway with Cook. You mentioned it at the top, how similar he looks to Dalvin when it comes to running style. But it becomes very, very obvious that he doesn't have that 20 extra pounds of speed and strength. He just, he does, because Dalvin, James Cook is about, he's about five foot 11, 195 pounds. That's what Georgia has James Cook listed as. Dalvin's 5'10", like 210. Like Dalvin is Dalvin is stacked. And so he has about 15, 20 more pounds on James. And you can absolutely see that when it comes to the film. What made Dalvin Cook so special at Florida State, and of course still in the NFL, is one of the best runners in the league, is there are times when when Dalvin will will break it out to the outside and he will just put his foot in the ground and hit the sideline and just hit afterburners after that and just the speed that this guy can have on command is unbelievable how he can lower the shoulder and bounce off of tackles with ease the balance that he has all of that comes from I think that extra weight that extra 20 pounds of athleticism because it's not 20 pounds of fat look at Dalvin Cook he ain't fat right I mean like he's just a jacked running back and all of that I think goes into it and so even though the play style is similar it's just not nearly as explosive as it was for Dalvin and so I I think that James is is much more of a developmental running back whereas Dalvin was a clear star going into the league I think that there is a role for um for James to have in the NFL but I think it's of that third down kind of receiving back mold and you need to be better at the pass blocking options in order to really get on the field for that so that's kind of how I was looking at James yeah, the point about weight and how it affects explosiveness and contact balance is well taken. Because uh, I think that I agree that that Cook, and it's also a little bit unfair because if we're going to compare him to Dalvin Cook and then Zamir White, whose nickname is Zeus, then he's just always going to look frail. But he is, he's, he is a little small, right? He is. Like 5'11", 195 is a perfectly acceptable running back weight. You can be good at that weight. But certainly, yeah, the... Uh, Additional weight would benefit him greatly. I agree. I would agree with that. Bet online. You've heard us talk about it before. It's the fast and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. You get all of the latest news, odds, info for all of your sporting needs, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, NHL, UFC, and MMA, whatever you're looking for, Bet Online's got it. You don't have to sit on the sidelines anymore. You don't have to just sit behind the TV on the couch and just watch the games. Now you can get into the action. Uh, if you head over to their website and use the your mobile device to sign up today, 
you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on whatever your first deposit is. So if you see a juicy line, if you really want to dip your toe in the water with betting, go over to Bet Online, use the promo code LOCKED ON, all caps, one word that's just locked on, and you're going to get 50% of a welcome bonus back on your first deposit. So why not do it at Bet Online? That's the place you need to go. Your online sports book experts. We're talking about the former Tennessee running backs and where they're currently at after the break. All right, Ben, which one of these former Tennessee Volunteers running backs are we getting to next? Ty Chandler or Eric Gray? Shout out to multiple ex-Tennessee running backs because these guys spent two years trying to make uh, Jared Garantano and Jeremy Pruitt's offense look good, and eventually like, we're getting the frick out of here. This is ridiculous <laughs> by this point. Uh, is Jared Garantano still there? No, he's at Washington State now. Oh, is he? Oh, okay, good for him. Good for him to get out of there. Um, good for him. Well, I mean, like, so I mean, like, he's he, he's not good. So I mean, I it's, you just change the scenery. Like, don't, just don't don't let Tennessee Volunteer fans just hate you forever. Just leave. Like, get out of there. You know, like everybody just go there, go their separate ways. That's kind of how I, it, I, I mean. If he does get like, if Nick Rolovich, who's the new head coach of Washington State, uh-huh. has Mike Leach magic. Because everybody could just go to Mike Leach of Washington State and just be good as a quarterback, despite what happened in their previous career. That would be hilarious. If if Rolovich leeches Garantano, that would be amazing. But I, I don't know if, if Rolo's got that ability just yet. Regardless, Jerry Garantano out. Uh, Ty Chandler, Eric Eric Gray, Henry Toto. Uh, there was the guard from a couple years ago. A lot of people have. Uh, a lot of the high recruits that were secured in Tennessee are now getting the heck out of Tennessee. This program's struggling. Uh, Ty Chandler has been there for, I feel like, 85,000 years uh, and has been any steady for them. Solid college back. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Doesn't put the ball on the ground too much. Able to catch the ball out of the backfield. Just a, a solid player. Uh, his returner ability, great. When you watch him, you see, uh, you know, uh, I, you made the comment, I think it was on Brees Hall, where it was like you don't see veteran – you don't see running backs at the college level have this level of polish and right. this level of vision right. and instinct. Right. You see in Ty Chandler a four-year starter because he's had over 70 attempts in all four years that he's played at Tennessee. You see a four-year starter who plays like it. He is smart. He maximizes. He understands when his blockers are beat and how to just go in and – Survive a bad play, try to avoid a TFL. Uh, you see a player that when he has that open space, goes, takes it right away, puts his nose down, gets tough picks of a couple extra yards. You see that player who understands those moments where breaking the, the blocking scheme, breaking the, stru- breaking the structure of the play is necessary, going ahead and doing that. You see a player who's able to work uh, you know, pass protection, able to take away blitzing linebackers, blitzing edge players, work into scat protection, right? swing out, be a little quick check down for his quarterback when he's in trouble. And again, make make the most out of a bad situation. You do not see a player with explosive ability. Uh, not a great tackle breaker, if it is the case, it's with toughness and contact balance. Not a great angle breaker. Uh, not particularly explosive. Not particularly uh, quick out there. So it's like, as a runner, he he's not dissimilar to... Um, was it Michael Carter when he came out of UNC? Mm-hmm. But even then, and he's going to UNC now, even then he's got less receiving experience and he's got less elusiveness in the open field. I was going ha- I was, I was to yeah. say, I'm, I'm pegging him way below Carter. 
Right. You know? What Carter, what Carter, what Carter was between the tackles, what Carter was in terms of, of build and, 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 and um, uh, explosiveness, contact balance, everything kind of in that first level in the mess. I think Chandler does it a similar way. They were both such long starters that you could tell that they knew how they knew their scripts for making decisions and they largely stuck to it. Uh, they weren't necessarily players who were made doing it out of instinct, but they were players who were doing it according to the way they'd figured out over time. I think Ch- uh Carter was certainly more dangerous in the open field. Uh, so, so like I think that understanding that arc in terms of how they've become productive is beneficial. But I do not think Chandler has the same athletic ability or elusiveness, uh, tackle breaking ability that Michael Carter does. And then, like I said, less receiving background as well. Uh, so Chandler to me is a good college back uh, who maybe he's able to be a part of a rotation in the, in the NFL level. Like I said, the returning experience certainly helps, but. I don't think he's a very explosive player, so I don't really think he's going to be a dangerous return in the league. Right. To me, this is a this is a, a jag, unfortunately. Good player, yeah. fun to root for, I like what he does, but he's just about what he is for, for now at the college level. I think that you could tell that that Chandler definitely has that experience to him. You know, I think that you could watch that in his game. The problem with me is that he feels like a tick slow to react to a lot of different things. Uh, I think that he knows assignments. Like, for example, like in pass blocking, like they had him in pass blocking a lot because he's experienced, right? I mean, like you want somebody who's been there before, who's not going to panic, who's going to get up in the face of guys. And I think that he's a willing blocker, but like there are a couple of, of, of plays where I'm watching him in the backfield and he's just like, he he's slow. Like he was just slow to react to a guy either coming to his left or his right, whatever it is. And so... uh I, I, I just, when I watched him as a runner, you're right. He, he's just uninspiring. And unless you are really rock solid at the other areas of the game, it's hard to really make that big of an impact when you just don't have the juice. And and when I watched Ty Chandler, that was my biggest takeaway. It's like, this guy clearly has a lot of reps under his belt. He knows where to look. I wouldn't say he anticipates super well, but he just, the bottom line is, it's going to be hard for him to get on the field because he does not have the juice. And I don't know what's going to come at UNC. I guess they're going to want him to be in the, the Michael Carter role, but Michael Carter had some of the best vision in the running back class last year. And, and I think that that was to his advantage as well. He was really good at setting guys up and understanding blocking schemes. And, you know, if Ty Chandler is going to be good, it's going to be through that. It's going to be kind of between the years. But I ultimately just, you mentioned a Jag. I always hate saying that because I, I think it's harsh, but that's the, I, I think that right. that's the reality of the situation that we're in is unless Chandler just can get really, really solid at, the finer details of playing running back in probably a specialized role. It's going to be hard for him to get on the field over guys who are going to bring more to the table athletically than he does. Yeah. I think your point about if you're going to just get what you get, what is blocked for you as a runner, you got to have so much value in the ancillary aspects of playing running back, right? To stick in the league. And I don't think Chandler does. And I don't think anybody can argue Chandler has that. And so if you want to argue that he's like, a better runner. Okay. I mean, make the argument. I'm, I'm not really there with you, but you can't argue as that on ancillary stuff. And so it really depends on what he is as, as a running back. And I just don't, right. I don't see too much there, especially in a class where the general theme that I'm noting so far is we don't have a ton of absurd athletes, but some of these guys have a really, really good knack for running the ball. Uh, and that's where Chandler would need to fall and where Chandler would need to win. And he's not even, like, you know, of the three best guys we've watched in that category. And we've only talked about five guys so far. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, and so it, 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 it's 
it's a tough sell for me on Chandler. Really appreciate him as a player. Right. But it's a tough sell for me as anything more than, all right, maybe he can be in a committee for us. Right. And, you know, I think you could look at it in a vacuum with him in this class. And I think that we do this every year. We'll, we'll have guys stack up and we'll be like, okay, well, you know, the class isn't that deep. Or I'm not saying that this class isn't deep. I'm just kind of painting the picture here. You can yeah, put yeah. yourself in a situation where you could say, okay, l- let's say the class isn't that deep. I would still take him because he's got the experience. But you got to think to yourself this. There's another class next year and the year after that and the year after that. And, and like, Never what, heard like of how long, how long is it going to take for the team that drafted you to just want to replace you? Right. I feel like we saw this with Philip Lindsay. You know, Philip Lindsay came in for the Denver Broncos when nobody else was able to step up to the plate. And for two straight years, I think he had a thousand yards, didn't he? Wouldn't he, wasn't he in his first two years? Didn't he get like back-to-back thousand-yard seasons? No, I think I so. He definitely did the UDFA thousand-yard record thing. I'll right. look it up. You keep talking. Okay. All right. So, all right. I almost have it here. Yeah, but it's back-to-back one thousand-yard seasons, and then it's like, yeah, it's like I said, back-to-back one thousand-yard seasons. Yeah, as you've always said, it was back-to-back one thousand-yard yeah, yeah, yeah. seasons. They continued to try to upgrade over him. Right? They, they, this guy saved you. You had nobody else. Your back was against the wall. This is an undrafted free agent. And this guy was getting 50 targets a year, over a thousand yards on the ground every year, nine touchdowns one year, seven touchdowns the other. Like, this guy was saving your rushing attack. And yet, they continued to try to upgrade. And that, that like feels like the best case scenario for guys like Chandler. And it sounds gloom and doom. And again, like I, I kind of hate saying it, but this is just the reality of it. If you don't have the juice, if you're not that kind of an athlete, the game is all about athleticism. And teams are just going to try to continue to replace you. And I feel like that's what I see with Chandler um, right now. Maybe you'll do, maybe, uh, maybe Ty Chandler will do steroids this offseason and not get caught and just be become the fastest kid alive. So, you know. Who knows? But it is that that is that could happen. Right. That's, that's right. the thing. We've that we, we have, do not we've endorse. always got to put, you know, all scenarios on the table. That's why we're great here at the Lockdown NFL Draft Podcast. We look at I everything. I feel strongly that we should state that we're not endorsing this as an option for Ty Chandler. <laughs> it's just a thing that could happen. Wait, what if he doesn't get caught? I still am not sure I endorse using <laughs> anabolic steroids. <laughs> No, like antibiotic steroids, you know, like when you're sick. I don't know enough about steroid use to really comment. <laughs> but again, I would like to say for the people at the Lockdown NFL Draft Podcast and the Lockdown Podcast Network officially, officially do not recommend risking. Correct. Yes. Steroid usage. Yeah, right, right. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. That's why that's why the legal team brought you on. This episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models that are on the road today, it is impossible for your local auto parts store to have all of the parts that you're going to need for your car. And chances are, when you go to them, you say, hey, this is what I need. I need a brake pad, or I, I need new windshield wipers, or I, I need something, whatever it is. A good chance they're not going to have it, and they're just going to order it online. So why don't you just order it online yourself? That's what you could do if you go to rockauto.com. They've got fantastic prices. They've got a great selection. They've got awesome customer service as well. They'll be able to get you exactly what you're looking for or get you in the direction that you're trying to go. Go to rockauto.com today. If you do and you end up buying something from them, talking to them in any way, let them know that Lockdown NFL Draft sent you. That would really, really help out this podcast. Like I said before, an amazing selection, always reliably low prices, and all the car parts that you are ever going to need online over at rockauto.com. Final guy that we're talking about, an exciting player who 
could very easily be in our top five running backs when we come to it on Thursday. We're going to talk about him coming up after the break. All right, Ben, we got one more guy for this episode. It is Eric Gray, another former Tennessee volunteer. And I think that this departure is going to sting more than the Ty Chandler departure because Eric Gray is good. Eric Gray is a fun, fun running back. What'd you think of him? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, buddy. (laughs) That's what we like to see. Man, I DM'd uh, our scouting team and I was, I I thought I was losing my mind because I've just seen so many Debbie people arguing about Brees Hall versus Isaiah Spiller. And so I DM'd our scouting team and I was just like, who here has watched Eric Gray? And Joe Marino of drafters was like, me and Jordan have. I was like, yeah. Why did Tennessee ever give Ty Chandler the ball? And he was like, because Jared Garantano is so bad that eventually you have to give it to somebody else besides Eric Gray. I'm like, that's fair. I, I acknowledge that. But as we chatted, he was basically, Jordan, I don't want to spoil Jordan's content, but Jordan's got Eric Gray top of the class. As like as RB1? As RB1. Ooh! It is going to be tough for me to argue with that. He's awesome. Eric Gray is they awesome. Take, oh man. Mm, I don't even know how I want to go about building this out. Okay. Well, I told you to prepare for the podcast, and here we are. The recording light is on, so now it's your job to explain your thoughts eloquently right here with no remorse. Eric Gray is such a slippery player. His natural fluidity and ability to get his feet and shoulders working to move linebackers in space and behind blocks is really something else. It takes, you know, one of the things that was so much fun about watching Nick Chubb was how far outside of his frame he could get his feet because that allowed him to make some absurd cuts for his size and also tell a lot of lies to defenders because you're supposed to look at hips and you're supposed to read the torso. But when those feet start going one direction, you really start to panic and you start to, to, to make a little bit of a hesitation. And that's all that Nick Chubb needs to get by you. Eric Gray has similar ability, not built like Nick Chubb, not Nick Chubb comp, but boy, he has this, this Euro step like ability to get his feet working outside of his frame and to get little shoulder dips and to get little head dips and the way that he moves guys on a string, man. I mean, so Brees Hall, it's, it's, it's about patience. It's about timing. It's about pace. And he's certainly got the head fakes. You know, Isaiah Spiller, we talked about it as well. He's got that little shoulder dip, right, on the open field. But these guys are, 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 are manipulating with a lot more intention and a lot more thought. Eric Gray, it's just how he picks his way. Like, he's at full speed, at explosiveness, just making these split-second decisions, mm-hmm. making these slight, minute changes to his path but always thinking about how he can move a, a guy a little bit, whether it's his blocker or, or a defensive tackle or a linebacker or whoever, how he can set these guys up to just create more space for him. It is very artistic. It is very natural. It's just this is how I make space. This is just what I do. Throw on top of that, you know, and this is what I said uh, on day one, like, you know, you, you're getting penetrators and you're getting, uh, you know, um, uh, unblocked guys on outside runs or, you know, backside uh, defensive ends unblocked on zone flow. And Isaiah Spiller wasn't making these guys miss. And Kyron Williams wasn't making these guys miss. So Brees Hall was getting around them. Yeah, Eric Gray. 
Eric Gray will get, you know, zone read looks, and they'll just have an unblocked four-eye, like, square up on Eric Gray, and then Eric Gray's gone. He is way quicker than you think he is when you're watching him. Uh, and, and the slipperiness is so important to that. There's a, a touchdown run against Mizzou where Nick Bolton just has him dead to rights in a gap. Like, Nick Bolton made this play against everybody. And I don't think he gets three fingers on Eric Gray because Gray just hits <laughs> two steps. And you're like, where did that come from? Like, he doesn't do that all the time, but he's got this explosiveness to him. And then he sets up the safety, gets him behind a, a block from Josh Palmer. Boom, touchdown. There's a play his freshman year against BYU. It was the first game. It was the first ball he was given against BYU where he takes two. He takes zone flow the exact opposite direction, takes two unblocked players, leaves them both grasping for smoke. He is not going to have good missed tackle forced numbers because these guys can't even touch him. He's smoke. It's he's an angle breaker, not a tackle breaker. Mm -hmm. He's got good contact balance, but it's not what it's about. Yeah. It's about stopping your feet and turning your hips and getting you look so freaking dumb. Just so freaking dumb in the middle of the field. He has such a, a great feel for the game. The athleticism to match. He is not a natural pass catcher. You see him double catch. Uh, you see him 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 uh, have to slow his his route running, right? Uh, get a little bit outside of stride to make catches. Not a supernatural pass catcher, but he's been used in the passing game. He's getting more experience there. Looks good. N rarely, if ever, gets used as a pass blocker. That they're going to use Ty Chandler for that. Uh, they know that Eric Gray is their better runner, and those are the, the runs that they want to get him in at. He is a delightful decision maker with a ton of natural instincts. He has explosiveness. He has contact balance. He has burst. He has unbelievable agility. He's got great ability to make cuts at velocity. He does do this stupid freaking like Euro step thing in the third level, which like it works for him, but he does it all the time. And there's times where you could just like outrun a dude. And he's like, no, let me like try to Kyrie Irving him. And it's like, brother, you, okay, running back, wrong sport, just run, just back, go. And like, you can just make this play. But he, he kind of, like I said, he, he does this out of instinct. It's very artistic. And so he, he kind of is, is hunting these style points a little bit, even though I don't think he knows it. So maybe a little risk management that you want to bring him down on. But all in all, man, uh, I love watching him run the football. I think he has got, I think he was, he was born to play this position. And I think he plays it really, really well. You noted how a lot because i didn't know how to talk about it <laughs> how impressive he is when moving at full speed and i, I want to correlate this to going back to what we said about james cook where james cook will get an open space against for example like we talked about on that texas route where he's in open space against a linebacker and he's kind of like stutter stepping and he's just stutter stepping too many times because he's wondering like, ooh, 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 like what foot am I going to cut on? What foot am I going to cut on? And then like he times it correctly and when it works, I, I mean, it, it works great. He creates the separation and it's right there. Eric Gray does that, has that result in less steps at more speed, at full speed, I would say. And right. I think that there is an art to running backs who can do what Eric Gray does at full speed. And I think his that that's... His ability to cut against flow is just, just disgusting. It makes he's, me emotional. His lateral quickness is unbelievable. I think he's got fantastic contact balance. You mentioned it there. His ability to get skinny between the tackles and between gaps is pretty crazy, especially with him getting up a gap that's about the size of his body and then planting his foot in the ground and immediately bouncing it to the outside when he gets to second and third level. I mean, he just has an understanding of 
where the open space is, how to get it, and often how to get to it faster than the defenders that are trying to stop him. And so that was my biggest takeaway with Eric Gray is that the athleticism, you're never going to doubt it with this guy because he puts it on display every single time he touches the ball. He's got a football background too. His uncle is uh, Maurice Hall from Ohio State. Uh, and then his dad also played running back at Tennessee State. So he's got quite the um, quite the running back background to him. And a lot of that experience, that football family bloodline, I mean, it shows up. He just looks like such a natural for the position. I don't know where he's going to end up coming in with my top five, but I guarantee you he's going to be in that top five because he is incredibly impressive. One of the most important things to note, though, Ben, before we get out of here, do you know what number he's wearing at Oklahoma? Zero. He's wearing zero. Dude, I literally, I tried to find Heisman odds for him last night. That's where we got emotionally. He's, I mean, he's not going to win it over Spencer Rattler. But. Brother. Like, if Oklahoma scores. plays well, and if, if, if Oklahoma plays well enough for an offensive player to be in the Heisman conversation, I feel like it's going to go to Spencer Rattler. I agree, but I can get Spencer Rattler, like, plus 800 or whatever. If I can get Eric Gray at plus 30,000, <laughs> I'll take that. He's going to be so, 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 so stupid good in that offense. He is. He because is. he's so good at cutting against flow, and that offense has so much horizontal misdirection to it that if he's able to get backside on stuff and backside safety and backside you know, linebacker have been, have been removed or they've been widened by jet action or whatever – it it's over you just go home because he's so good in those situations your boy kennedy brooks is in front of him on the depth chart yeah well kennedy brooks is no longer my boy <laughs> kennedy brooks gotta <laughs> not get suspended gotta stay on the field yeah we got it we got a new dude he's wearing number zero at oklahoma so there we go okay we got james cook we got ty chandler and we got eric gray down those are three oh, very I, different uh, topics that i, I think a, could be tackled i what? have a uh i have a comp for oh. eric gray that I'm working on. Uh, ooh. Oh, are you still workshopping it or are you ready to announce it? <clears throat> As a runner, he reminds me of how Aaron Jones looked at UTEP. Just okay. stupid good on zone flow, ability to get outside and, and win up the sideline, great tackle breaking ability at the third level, but also just that that natural wiggle, that natural shiftiness to make that first okay tackler always just looks so freaking stupid and like aaron jones was at utep and so he's playing freaking you know new mexico state and you're like yeah you know what i mean this is how it's supposed I'll to do, like, i'll do respect to new player. mexico state go course. lobos yeah. or aggies i can't remember which one they are um i think it's aggies but anyway so like at that time you know when he's doing against some yeah, of those new guys mexico like, is yeah. lobos i think yeah you're like all right it's because it's 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 nfl guy it's not nfl guys but I mean, he's an nfl guy but he just had that ability to be such smoke to be so embarrassing uh, because he had such unique wiggle now aaron jones receiving highlights or something i'd love to see out of eric gray in oklahoma I'm <laughs> right sure i was gonna, gonna say see. he's missing yeah. that part of the comp but as a runner uh he reminds me of what aaron jones was doing when he was uh when he was with the minors all right there we go look at that folks we gave you a comp if you stuck around till the end of the podcast you got a pro comp out of it everybody loves the pro comps tomorrow we're getting the best of the rest we're going to try to get to as many running backs as we possibly can um 
six, seven, eight. I mean, like there's a handful of guys that you guys mm-hmm. have already messaged to us of players that we got to watch. I don't know if we're going to get to all of them just because we not, might not have time in the podcast, but anybody that we have the chance to watch after we record, we'll talk about on our uh, on our top five episode as well. So we're going to get to as many of these guys as possible. Let you know our preseason scouting thoughts on this 2022 NFL Draft running back class that's coming up tomorrow. And until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked On NFL Draft.